Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to hear the stories of homeless people who lived in New Orleans during Hurricane Ida. One of the most untalked about, uncared about groups of people out there is the homeless. People tend to steer clear. But what do they do when a natural disaster strikes? Where do they go? How do they survive? Today, we start a two-part series that seeks to answer that question. I hope you'll stick around. I'm your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is Bed Letter. enjoy the show, the best way to lend your support is by heading over to bedletter.substack.com and subscribing. You'll be kept up to date on all new episode releases, as well as columns I write on a wide range of topics. There's a lot to check out, and it's all over there. Another great way to help out is by sharing this episode with someone you know who you think might find it interesting. One share really does go a long way. The links to the Substack my Twitter, and everything else can be found in the description of this episode. I hope you guys enjoy. After Hurricane Ida struck at the end of August and early September, I developed the idea to go down there myself and talk directly with people who were affected. This idea hatched as I watched news report after news report, weather channel men standing in their windbreakers out on the raging winds, shouting into microphones about what might come next. The reports were interesting, but I felt like I was missing the part I wanted most. The impact felt by the local people. How did they manage? Did they experience property damage? How did they operate through the electricity blackouts? I wanted their words, not the ones of news reporters on camera pointing over to fallen trees and broken billboards. In my previous Voices episode, the one on Afghanistan, the first guy I talked with, Alfred, was an evacuee from Hurricane Ida, so perhaps in talking with him, the idea to get more information and perspective was planted. So I packed up and started a road trip down to New Orleans, a city I had never been to before. Once I arrived, I did some exploring, driving around and walking around through the French Quarter, visiting a coffee shop or two, taking some pictures, and doing a healthy amount of people watching. Most of my interviews for this Voices production came from people in the French Quarter. For those who don't know, the French Quarter is a famous part of New Orleans, attracting many tourists and locals alike. You'll find tons of bars, local restaurants, music, street games, and markets selling anything and everything. It's lively and everyone is going and doing something. One of my favorite parts was seeing artists painting and selling their pictures and ragtag street bands playing trumpets and trombones and tubas. It was an atmosphere of intense culture and togetherness. The first person I approached to talk with about their experience through Ida was a man named Chris. As I was walking down the street in a more secluded area, I noticed him sitting on a bench with a bike leaned against the bench's back. 
The bike was laden with gear strapped to every surface and angle that the bike would allow. There was a dog laying asleep on the bench along with him, its leash coiled around Chris's arm. As I approached, it became quite clear that Chris was probably homeless, or at least had fallen on some difficult times. My initial thought was that it may be interesting to see what he did through the hurricane, where he found shelter or where he found food. As I came to find out, Chris wasn't able to find any substantial shelter through Hurricane Ida. He was in the storm, in the winds, in the rain. He weathered it outside. I remember being completely shocked by this. How could someone manage that? It was said that the winds reached a maximum speed of 149 miles per hour. How did he survive? Chris's story ground to a halt what I originally thought I was looking for when I arrived in New Orleans. I had pictured speaking with homeowners, asking about their property damage, how they were able to evacuate, if they had stocked food supplies. Chris's story changed all of that. His telling made me consider a new perspective. How did the homeless population weather Hurricane Ida? Where did they go? These were questions I hadn't considered even for a moment as I watched the high winds back in late August and early September on TV. I dare say they are questions that many others haven't considered as well. The homeless population is probably one of the most unthought about, least talked about subjects out there. We all say we care, but nothing changes and that population continues to grow. Their stories don't get told, their struggles go unnoticed. They're often chalked up to drug addicts, alcoholics, bums, and beggars. And while I'm not recording this to say that they are patron saints, what I am saying is that they're human, just like me and you. And what's more, they deserve to be heard, to be cared about, and to have their story told. There's a lot to learn from their words, a lot to be humbled by, and a lot to be grateful for. So I pivoted my goal. I decided that I would hang out with the homeless for a couple days in New Orleans, Louisiana, and hear them out. Listen to what they went through. Record their stories of how they experienced the disaster of Hurricane Ida. It was an amazing experience. This production of Voices will extend over a couple of episodes. We'll hear from nine different homeless individuals who all experienced Ida a little differently starting with Chris's story. One last thing before we jump in. Given that these are street interviews, there will be background noise. Cars passing, people talking in the background a bit, some music, things like that. I hope you can allow it to pull you into the scene, giving life to the world that these interesting people inhabit. Here's Chris's story. Okay, so uh, my first question is, um, obviously, the hurricane was crazy. It was, I guess it was the second biggest hurricane that's hit land, you know, made landfall since, obviously, yeah. Katrina, right? Yeah. Um, so were you, were you able to evacuate, or did you stay here through? I stayed here. I was outside during it. You're out, yeah, outside here. During I didn't get no shelter. No uh, shelter, I have really? no ID, so it kind of hinders me from any help pretty much right now. Yeah. But uh, I'm getting... Starting on stuff Tuesday, I'm going into a place in a way for a while, and then I'm going back home. So, okay, I got found some people that wanted to help me. I just got to make it another two days. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I was on Canal Street when it actually hit, 
Well, I was in the main winds. I was waving at people in their motels when they were looking out with no power. <laughs> oh my goodness. They were in their, their lobbies and stuff. Uh, debris was the biggest problem. Yeah. You had to watch yourself. Oh, I mean, yeah. I've, anything could be flying I had by. a piece of tin go right past my face. You Oof, know what I'm saying? That's, it was close. <laughs> yeah, that's, I imagine that's just like sharp tin he like something or something. He was with my sister. So. Oh, okay. He so it was just okay. you out here yeah, by it was just me. There was a couple of us out here, but we kind of got separated during the storm. Uh-huh. Everybody went their own way. Uh, I don't know. It was, the response was pretty quick, uh-huh. quicker than Katrina was, because I was here through Katrina, too. So. Oh, really? Katrina was... That's when I lost my house. Yeah. When I was, yeah. Is that the reason... Was Katrina the reason you, you no, lost your house? No. Oh, Katrina, yeah. It flooded out. It got six feet in there. I was near the levee, so... Yeah, it was like six blocks from the levee. My goodness. So, That's crazy. So, um, yeah. so I'm wondering if you could tell me just a little bit more about kind of exactly how that all went down. Was it pretty chaotic downtown here with when it was coming when uh, Ida was coming in, or was it was during it, the storm? There was probably a lot of looting, uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of people breaking into different uh, stores. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say I took part of it because I didn't. I might have bought some of the merchandise probably mm-hmm. later on, but yeah, I'll admit that. But uh, that was about it, actually. The local neighborhood pretty much. Uh, kept on. Everybody had their own guns. The um, Star Wars owners, bar owners, they were prepared for this one. You know, they weren't. The guys are carrying around. You know, they're all loaded. So yeah. half this town's got carrying gun, not yeah. not concealed or unconcealed. So it kind of up the odds of not getting broke into. Uh, random houses were breaking into. I know. As far as the chaos, there wasn't really chaos. It was trying to get to the sites where you could get help. Yeah. Like ice, water, and stuff. I mean, since I was in the quarter, the closest one was up here at uh, Armstrong Park, okay. which was okay. Yeah. I mean, so that's kind of what, uh, so the storm's coming in. Ma- ma- mainly it's looking for where to go to be yeah. able to get water, to be able to potentially, hopefully, get shelter to some degree. Shelter, or? any help. Uh, FEMA and all of them, everything was over there. Some people got help, some didn't. I mean, my my own fault was the ID thing. I mean, I could have got into a motel maybe for a week. Yeah. But what's that? It would be better for somebody else, like a family or something than me, because I'm out here by myself. I'd rather see a child or a woman, some, somebody that's elderly that needs it more than myself to go in there. So, I mean, I'm a lot of things, but I'm not, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I, I get what you're saying. Um, Not a total dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel you. That's it's definitely would be a difficult time. Um, was there was there a lot of water in this area that like right like flooding and stuff, or was it? There was a little bit of flooding. I mean, the water went down fairly quick. Yeah. I mean, when the, the when the high winds when it was reaching like 120, 130. Yeah. Canal flooded a little bit, but there was emergency vehicles all up and down canal, so they were already ready for it. Pumps were already running. A lot of the sewage systems has been worked on anyway, so a lot of it cleared out pretty quick. I don't believe there was much as far as inner city. No. As far as probably getting outside the city, past the bridge and up that way, towards west, towards more towards the landfall uh, site. I guess it was like, what, 40 miles away, 30 miles away? I can't remember exactly. But further that way, yeah, there'd be flooding, but in the house, we didn't really. 
Yeah, mostly yeah. just the, the heavy rain and the opportunities of 120 mile now yeah. winds is no joke, especially when yep. getting big sheets of tin blown by you. Was, yeah, uh, what did you do specifically to kind of, I guess, sort like shelter anywhere you could? When, that... I, when it was hitting, it stayed raining, I guess, I, for three hours like that. I ended up being over here at uh, Barracks, Barracks and Dauphine. There's a dog park that has shelter, so I dropped the fence and went underneath there. And it has trees and everything around it, so a lot of the winter wasn't bad. It was just wet. Yeah. And high winds. I mean, I was still going to get wet. Yeah. But I had some dry stuff. So I put that stuff on, got in my sleeping bag, and that was the total of that. Yeah, <laughs> best you could story, do. Yeah. No, that that's that's understandable. Um, a lot of the locals took care of the locals this yeah. time. Like, we had power in right down here, like the next day. Yeah. They had generators pumping, so the whole well, about two days. I'm sorry, three days, something like that. Within a week, it was power down here in the quarter, and everything was run. Yeah. I mean, it's like quick. You know, but I, there was like you could see the the uh, nighttime. You go on the river walk, you could see pitch black all the way in Algiers side, West Bank. Cause that's where that's you know it's just crazy how long it, it it's quicker than last time than yeah. during Katrina. But as far as the the people were in decent spirits, I guess yeah. they weren't. There's a lot of arguments sometimes, but yeah. nothing that you couldn't handle. Is there a lot of uh, just like groups gathering in different places, trying to figure out where to go, what to do? Yeah. If, you know, you mentioned locals helping locals. Is I know so, several people, so it was pretty easy to get a little bit of food, a little bit of stuff like that. Yeah. But there's a lot of us that people look down on because we're either, you know, it's harder for some of us to get help just because some people or some of who we're associated with or who our friends are or what we do or whatever our choices are but it is what it is yeah were, were some locals taking in like other people who were, who didn't have shelter like into their homes at all or was some it... were that I heard of yeah. yeah some were opening them with doors uh, especially there's a lot there was a few homeless out here I mean there was a group of us that stayed together until it got bad everybody split it was easier that way yeah I mean it's easier to cover hide one person than 20 you know yeah, yeah. so everybody just broke up I guess and uh, yeah they were opening up their homes yeah I know several people that were doing that um, and then one question I, I, I've been wanting to ask is what was the type of help that you guys saw come in whether it was I mean was there different organizations who were coming in or was it like government FEMA and things like that or FEMA came in there was government organizations different Christian organizations uh-huh. different state organizations just they were giving phones away I mean full service everything there was just different companies like uh, Metro Sprint they were coming here uh, T-Mobile all that uh-huh. Verizon giving out free phones so limited you know time on them that I never got one yeah I could have but I never made it in time apparently I heard about a day after mm-hmm. but uh yeah it just it the doesn't food and stuff like that as well yeah yeah uh, MREs okay military yeah. was up there when they set up over here they had MREs uh if you needed tents some 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 of the sites had tents you know what I'm saying this one didn't have much of anything really yeah it had well it had ice and food and it had the FEMA and all that and uh Rec room over there, but 
it was still you had to travel to get any help real real help. yeah yeah and uh okay just trying to imagine all this in my head um well geez that's that's something I mean I can't imagine it's one thing to, to have a house and, and, and be in there and yeah. be able to have that shelter or to evacuate altogether I can't imagine it's, weathering it I think that's it, you know, that's probably a trash bag didn't work so <laughs> everything yeah, I imagine everything got like, soaking yeah, wet all my stuff was wet that day yeah. that was the, some of the stuff I still got but, uh, yeah uh, yeah it took me like three days four days to get to, to be able to wash my clothes uh-huh. And so a lot of my stuff would stink, especially when you're sweating. Yeah. It smells like pneumonia. So just when you open your bag, it's like it blows your bag. It's oh, like yeah. And it's humid. Like, it's hum- hard to get things to dry out. Yeah, it was pretty hot. Oh, yeah. Was it more humid after the hurricane? I, yeah. I haven't been to it. The mosquitoes were bad or worse Ooh. after the hurricane, yeah. yeah They're bad up there now. <laughs> and like, even so, with the breeze. So what was it like at night? So, you know, sunsets, it's, you know, most people are later they're headed to bed or doing whatever mm-hmm. you know and if it's if it's storming through all that what did for you what did that specifically kind of look like well I put my own self in the situation where I'm at yeah it was my decision choices to come here or whatever so if I can I mean it's not the first time I mean I can I've been through worse so yeah you know you're talking about being outside it's not it's not as bad you know when you got other people around you that you can trust, and there's a couple people out here I can trust, you know, and I can lay down and go to sleep, or take turns or whatever, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that was the question. I got veered off, I veered no, off, going no, off. That was the question, I, that, you definitely hit on it. I think that, I'm just interesting, you know, not having a place to go, what it was like at night. Um, just went cold, wet, because you ate nothing with dry still. Yeah. Uh, just, Make sure you can get the food. Food was the thing because a lot of the stores were closed. Yeah. We got ice. I always went for ice. I get two bags a day and take it to the river. So we put it in coolers. There's a lot of people that didn't want to do nothing. They just wanted to go do their own thing. They come back and sleep. You know. Yeah. Stuff still got to be done. You know. What I mean? Yeah. Uh, just one and one last question for you. Um, I think that there's. One thing I, I don't I'm not from New Orleans or this area and I'm from Georgia so the, the storms happen but nothing like you know hurricanes. Yeah. One thing I've heard people say before is you know why why do people live in areas where there's hurricanes? Why don't they just leave there or something like that? And so I guess my question would be what would you say to people like that that say you know why why would people live in that area? What 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 what's the rationale? Uh, this is NOLA man. Yeah. I've been coming here. I've lived here for like eight years before, had a house, job. I've been coming here over 20 years. I'm 44 now. This is like my second home. Yeah. That's why. It's just, it'll love you or hate you. I mean, there's a song that says it takes a lot of water, man. It's going to take a lot of water to wash this city away. And it's not just because it's a, it's a choice. It's, everybody has free will to do what they wish to do. You know? Some people humble themselves, some people don't. But this this is humbling. This if you can't get humbled after all this, if you go through something like this, yeah. You know what it is to have loss, then you wanna understand somebody holding a sign asking for money. Yeah. You know, some you don't know what they're going through. It might be not might be just 
not just drugs or yeah. you know alcohol. I don't drink. Can't say I don't smoke weed, but you know, things every now and then. But I'm not out there to hurt nobody. And the people here are great people, man. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are on their side. Yeah. It's their will to survive here, man. People don't want them with. Why would they leave? Just if they, they were born here, if I was born here, I'd definitely not leave. Yeah. You know, I'd stay here, even if floods or not. If the city gets wiped out tomorrow, so be it. I was there today. Yeah. You know? I like that. I like that. I've always felt like uh, it's easy to look at something far away and say, "Well, why don't you know?" Blah blah blah. But it's it's home. Yeah. I mean, it, for for a lot of people, I think yeah. that they would do the exact same thing. They would stay. I believe they would so. Defend it. It would help people that are you know also locals like you were saying yeah. and that's I think that's why what makes I mean a place like this especially it special uh, sometimes people out here uh, I do myself a lot tend to give more than what they have or receive back and it's not look, 20 years ago I wouldn't like this either <laughs> I wouldn't care if you needed to eat didn't care but now I know people know what it is to be hungry or you know I know what it is to actually have to survive I've learned that a long time ago through a different organization, but <laughs> it's all right, too. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the, you know, just a few minutes to just, you know, kind of talk about yeah. that. It's, it's definitely a trying time, and I know, as I was watching, you know, obviously, thoughts and prayers go as far as you want them to go, I suppose, but, you know, that's definitely yeah. was what I was thinking about when, when I was it's seeing like all this. In New York, my family... Uh, just went through like a what class like a tropical storm up there yeah, yeah. so they got hit then a few few weeks later we got hit down here I, I lost track of them I lost numbers and everything when I got down here had my bag stolen I've been I came down here looking for my sister which I found her my biological sister oh, nice. I, I met her a while years ago but this is where she lives at she ended up here so it was pretty cool I found her and stuff but she's not in the best situation so it's just yeah no I, I can't help anybody without helping yourself and there's an organization up here that I'm going to go into a, a rehabilitation so but I'm going through the VA too so they do my referral and stuff and I'll stay there two weeks 30 days get healthy get straight and then I'm going home go back to New York go to work you know my family up there had, they have a construction company I don't need to be down there there's no excuse for me to be here no excuse for me to be doing the shit that I'm doing you know uh, it's just time, man. Yeah. I love it. I might be back. I'm going to come back. Yeah. It's incredible to me that he was able to weather the storm outside. In his sleeping bag, in a grove of trees, helping to mitigate some of the beating wind. I think it's interesting and even inspiring to hear Chris's decision to not take up an entire motel room when he was potentially given the chance. He instead opted to let one of the families with children who were in need take the room. He was just one man, and even in his state of homelessness, he was willing to see that there were some struggling more than he was. In his view, it was better that a group with women and children take the room than he take it alone. Chris also brings up a point that we'll hear many more times. A lot of help during and after this disaster came from locals helping locals. While we did hear about AT&T, Sprint, and T-Mobile, FEMA, and other organizations coming in to provide some services, it was the locals who could be most readily relied on. This touches on another point that Chris highlights, that oftentimes, 
it's difficult for the homeless population to catch wind or know about where these services are being provided, what time and how to get them. Chris encountered issues because he hadn't, didn't have an ID, which would only further the difficulty of obtaining any help. Locals helping locals. I love this. I think he puts it no better than when he says, This is NOLA, man, referring to the abbreviation of New Orleans, Louisiana. He went on later saying, It'll love you or hate you, but it's going to take a lot of water to wash this city away. This pride in his place is beautiful to see, especially after such a harrowing disaster and his personal story of surviving it. I remember as I was walking around the city, there was a beam that had the saying spray-painted on it. It said, You can't drown a fish. I love that. I actually took a picture of it, and you can find that picture on the post for this episode on my Substack, along with some other pretty cool pictures. Ultimately, I think my favorite quote from Chris was when he stated, If the city gets wiped out tomorrow, so be it. I was there today. Living in and loving the present moment, being grateful for the city as his home, it's all such an interesting and thoughtful response. A huge thank you to Chris for chatting with me, and I really, really wish him all the best. As I was preparing to continue finding homeless folks who would be willing to chat about their, their Hurricane Ida experience, I felt the need to bring something to the table for them, perhaps in just a way to say thank you for giving me some of your time, for helping me out, and, and being willing to talk about their circumstance. I felt that I should do something for them or give them something, just to help them out. I spent that night sleeping in the back of the van I was using, in a Walmart parking lot. I was laying there, my eyes wide open, trying to conceptualize who to talk to, how to do it, and where to go from here. I still had these thoughts of Chris's circumstance plastered all around my head. That was when it really hit me that I needed to keep asking the homeless. And as a thank you, I would give them a little care package of sorts. The next morning I woke up and went into Walmart. I bought beef jerky, granola bars, peanut butter crackers, a toothbrush and toothpaste, body soap, lighters, little notebooks and pens, little Ziplocs, and a pack of socks. When I checked out, I got cash back in the form of a $5 bills as well. I then made eight of these little care packages, each with one of those items in a gallon Ziploc bag. All eight of the packages fit perfectly in my backpack, and I drove back into New Orleans, parked, and started the search. My plan was to ask for these homeless people's experience, and afterward, as a thank you, give them one of these bags. I stumbled upon Michael in a park southeast of the French Quarter called Woldenburg Park. He was sitting alone, sipping on a colorful can of what he would later call disgustingly warm beer. He looked friendly as he leaned back, enjoying the view of the Mississippi River. Michael's story is a little different than anyone I spoke with. How he found shelter, where he held out, and his all-around circumstance, while unfortunate, ended up serving him throughout the hurricane. Apologies for the worst-timed lawnmower ever throughout this one, at least in the beginning. This is Michael's story. So, uh, like I said, my name's Christian. Um, 
And what, what was your name? Michael. Michael? Yeah. Uh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. So, um, you know, they're say, they've said that uh, Hurricane Ida is the second most intense hurricane to make yeah, landfall. Yeah, Category 4. Obviously, with the first being yeah. Hurricane Katrina, you know, a while back. Yeah. So, yeah. were you able to be evacuated at all, or did you stick around here? No, I, I went to the hospital because I'm homeless. Yeah. I went to the hospital and got covered. Okay. So, I, I, yeah, that's what I did. Okay. So, you're, you're able to uh, at least get some shelter yeah. there. Um, so, can you tell me a little bit about kind of what led you there, what what happened in the sense of... The wind started blowing so bad the day before, uh-huh. and I... And it, I had to get out of there. Yeah. When you, wind would blow you over. That's how bad it was. Yeah. And uh, all these tire lines rocking back and forth. Yes. Yeah. So, um, is that is that? So you're in the hospital. Were you able to be in shelter long enough in the hospital to kind of get past the majority of the storm? Oh yeah. When you came out, was the yeah. storm still going on at all, or was it? Pretty no, much it over? was pretty much. It was already gone. It was. It was already yeah, gone. It was gone. Yeah. So do you, do you know uh, anything about what happened to you know any friends of yours or anything like that or what they did? I don't know what exactly what they did. They they may cover somewhere. Yeah. I know I know uh, the last one, the, another one come here. I think last year. Was it like, or, no, it was this year. And they put open the old McDonald's up on uh, Royal Street and put a bunch of people in there. Oh, and in, inside the of fire department did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Inside the building. Yeah. Yeah. On Royal Street. Right there by, you know, well, you ain't from here, are you? No. From the unique, yeah, there's an old McDonald's right there, and they opened the doors and let people in there. Oh, very neat. That's good. Have you, uh, did you lose any stuff during the, the hurricane no. or anything? Or were you able to keep yep, everything, uh, everything in the hospital there? That's good. That's, I mean, it's not fun that I guess to be in the hospital, but I yeah. guess it's kind of probably a bonus that if you get... That was the safest place I could be. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was going to say, at least, you know... You I don't know if my friends did. I didn't really ask them. Uh-huh. I know there's one dude out here on uh, Canal Street. You probably seen him. He's got one leg. His name is Turbo. I think he stayed under one of them. Uh, you were the tracks. Or I think he stayed right underneath that while all that shit come to the area. Yeah. 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 I've heard stories of people seeing cats and sheets of metal flying around. Oh yeah. 20, 30 feet in the air. I didn't see all that, but yeah, I've seen trees flying. Yeah. 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 You're able to get out of it mostly. That's good. That's good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. So, yeah, I had to because uh, it started when I was at East. It started so bad up there, man. I was blow, almost blowing me over. Yeah. 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 Um, it was pretty bad over there too. Well, it's just not very far. It's just right there across the river. Not, well, that's the West Bank over there, but the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, have you seen any help coming in after you know from oh, FEMA, yeah. the government oh, yeah. or anywhere else? Yeah, the National Guard and everything got to come in. Uh, see, uh, FEMA come in there too. FEMA. Yeah, they were getting like food and all kind of stuff out here. Yeah, they took care of us out here. Okay. As I got out, I'd go over and get you know them uh, MREs and stuff yeah. like that. Those, yeah, they, they took very good care of us. Okay, so you did. You were able to get some help from? Oh yeah, from I got food and stuff. I didn't get because I didn't have nothing. So I could, you know, FEMA. I couldn't go through FEMA or nothing like that. Yeah. Because I didn't have a house or nothing. Like that. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how that works though. Yeah. This is the first hurricane I've ever been in. This is the first one? Yep. So are you, have you, uh, are you, are you, have you, how long have you been in New Orleans? Three years. Three years. Okay. Yeah. It's the, well, like I said, the, the first, this is the second most intense one that's made landfall. So. Yeah, the one that was uh, here, I can't remember what day it was, but yeah. I was in a motel, but they shut, you know, 
COVID-19 hit, they, they shut it down. Shut every, they shut everything down through here. I was in a motel, though, for like six months. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then uh, they shut the program down. I got approved for housing, but I never did get it. Yeah. Because I lost contact with them. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and remind me of your name one more time. My name is Michael. Michael. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking just a second to tell me yeah. about, you know, where you were at and how you dealt with the with the hurricane and everything. It's definitely a crazy time, and, you know, we're still Yeah, seeing... it was crazy. I had to get out of there because uh, I guarantee you that wind was blowing so hard. That was the day before it hit. Yeah. That's how bad it was. Yeah. And then poles were rocking back and forth, and I'm scared of electricity. I had to get out of there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen. I was driving down the road out towards uh, Raceland and. uh you could, I mean, there was not a, one pole that was up straight. They were all yeah. either this way or this yeah. way. And I was walking down uh, uh, Reed's Road, which was going to the hospital in Northern East. You see the pine trees. Well, they was already bent over. One of them was already laid over to the other one. The other one laid over. Yeah, like dominoes yeah. or something. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, that's how the wind blew them the day before. Yeah. You can look over there. You see them blue roofs. and blow the roofs off them houses over there. See so, the blue? Yeah, I've noticed tarps. that a lot of there's a lot of roofs with tarps on them, like stapled yeah, down. Is, is that what they do to to kind of keep keep the water out of keep yeah. the water out? And there's a lot of flooding going on, but I don't know. I don't know exactly where we're at though, because they got all this flood stuff up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've noticed the that metal things against the doors. That's that's keep the the water. Because I, I remember last year, I was at the hospital uh, using the bathroom, uh-huh. and I, I had to come out as I kept running, running, running. I didn't want to. I had a brand new pair of shoes on. I didn't want to get wet. Uh-huh. And it rained for about three hours to quit, and I had, I was wading through water about this deep down Canal Street. Really? Yeah. Canal Street was living up to its name. Yeah, because it, it, it not, was not draining off. No. Holy cow, that's unbelievable. Did you do you did you hear anything about if there was intense flooding around down just down here in the French Quarter? I'm not sure. Not sure. But I know they, I know this uh, drainage don't work too very good. Yeah. But they got all them pumps too, though, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you uh, you made it out and you, that you're all right. Uh, yeah, I know out there it had been the safest place. I went to my friend. He wasn't friend's house. He wasn't there. It was raining and the room was blowing, and I went straight to the hospital. Yeah, I know that's the safest place I could be right then. Yeah. Did, did you go there because you you knew it would be safe there, or did you go there because you needed to? You know, you had something else going on. Well, I, well, I had I got a, a COPD, but I told him I couldn't breathe, so I went on in there for that, but. I just stayed in there though, cause of yeah. till I was over with. Yeah, that didn't that didn't bother me. Yeah. Well, it's obviously not ideal that a hurricane came in, and also not ideal that Michael struggled with COPD, resulting in him struggling to breathe. He chooses to look at the overlap of these two things with somewhat of a glass half full perspective. He was able to stay bunked at the hospital, a place with food, a roof strong walls, and plenty of staff to help if things went south. Many of the people I spoke with included in their stories about how the wind was so strong it would blow you right over. As I drove around the city and around the outskirts, the damage from such intense winds was extremely apparent. Michael talked about pine trees snapping and falling into each other. I remember as I drove, I saw one thick pine tree that was split in the middle and tipped over like something had come along and just folded it right in half. When you see that, you start to understand a little about how powerful the winds really were. I was glad to hear that some homeless people were able to find shelter. 
Particularly, I enjoyed hearing that McDonald's, or as Michael puts it, Old McDonald's, opened their doors and firefighters put people inside there to be shielded from the storm. Not everyone was so lucky, though, as Michael recounted how one of his friends, a fellow with only one leg, stayed under a train track station on Canal Street during the storm. And just for a frame of reference, Canal Street is a major road that runs northwest to southeast, sitting at the very southern end of the French Quarter. Another aspect of hurricanes that Michael noted was the blue tarps on many roofs. Hundreds of roofs had these tarps stretched over them, oftentimes stapled down using long two-by-fours. This is a practice used to help keep heavy rainwater from leaking into the structure through any revealed holes or cracks. A big thank you to Michael for taking the time to share his story. Speaking of Canal Street, that was where I found Erlene. After I spoke with Michael, I decided to go poke around Canal Street to see if I could find his one-legged friend. While I wasn't successful in that endeavor, what I did see was a woman slouched under a city train track station with a bunch of bags under her bench. I couldn't tell if she was asleep or not, but I figured I'd walk over and find out. On my approach, I asked Erlene how she was doing. At first, she gave me some side-eye and ignored me. But after I asked her again, she told me that she was having a bad day. Visibly, she looked pretty grumpy. I asked her if she would answer some questions about being in the hurricane, and luckily, she obliged. Providing yet another unique perspective and circumstance on how she weathered the hurricane being homeless in New Orleans. This is Earlene's story. Were you able to get evacuated at all, or were you? did you stay here? I went to the Sheraton Hotel. Sheraton Hotel? Yeah, okay. you know, I evacuated myself. Yeah. They invited me, welcomed me. Okay. So, yeah. so how was Still that? Still didn't Yeah. Were they inviting up anybody who was, who was coming up there? Just yeah, letting... they probably invited a homeless person or some shelter. Okay. That was home. Yeah. We some shelter. I was out here. Were they putting you guys in hotel rooms, or oh, were they? No, no, no. We still in the lobby. Oh, in the lobby. Okay. At least you know, out of the out yeah. of the rain. Was there any flooding in this on Canal Street here? Not that much. Not that, not that more, much. More rain and wind. Rain and wind. The wind was very strong. Yeah. Knocking out these glass doors. Yeah. Trees. Yeah. Really kind of rough. Yeah. So uh, how long how long were they uh, letting you stay at the Sheraton there? Until it was over. Was it this one right here? Yeah. Okay. Very nice. It was good and old. How long, how long did it last, do you think? Oh, wow. Oh, day and a half. Day and a half? Mm-hmm. I stood there all night until the next day, too. It was real old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was uh, Was it pretty crowded in there, or was it? No, mostly guests, mostly. Yeah, it was kind of crowded, because, I mean, you know, a lot of people stay in the hotel room. Yeah. Well, at the time, they had a lot of people in town. Yeah. A lot of people out of town, visitors and stuff. Yeah. So all the hotel was kind of packing. Oh, okay. That, that makes sense. Um, do you, did uh, did Sheraton or anywhere else around here receive any pretty like substantial property damage, or was it on this street? Well, it was a lot of power outage and electricians. They had to hire people from out of town to come in and help. Get this city back up and running. Yeah. So that helped. 
else. Damage in some area parts of the city got a little damage to their little houses, roof falling apart, and trees on eating on the houses and stuff. Were you able to, to, to keep most of your stuff together and, and not lose it during the didn't have too much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So so how did you was it just that I'm just trying to think of you know, so you're walking you know, the hurricane's coming in, did you just think, Oh, the Sheraton might let me in or, or was it there was there? Yeah, a I was just thinking the Sheraton might let me in. Okay. And then, and and then I was going to the yeah. yeah. That uh, pushed me down. I, I like to fell down. I was trying to get to the Sheraton. It like the that wind like to move me down on the ground. The wind did. Just, yeah, it was just that strong. I I got there. It was it was so strong. It put, put pushed you down on the ground. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, it had me running. Yeah. Yeah, my goodness. <laughs> Trying to walk, but it had me running. <laughs> you know? Oh my goodness, I that's see, I can't help you. Running, running. Yeah. Like to slip down. Yeah. So so have you lived in New Orleans your whole life or all my life? All your life. So one thing that, that I think it's easy for people, you know, living in different parts of the country to, to think and say when they see things like this is, you know, for somewhere that gets hit by so many hurricanes, why do people stay there? Um, and so I, I'm just wondering, what, what would you say to people who would think, oh, they should just leave, they should just get out of there? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was too much evacuation in the city. Because people really stayed what it was, stayed home what it was. So it wouldn't have too much evacuation at the time. So people, you know, just stood still, stood in their houses. And, you, know, like, you know, like the homeless, you know, they're going back. Someone went to shelters and yeah. trying to evacuate themselves. Yeah. Did, uh, one thing I've, or uh, one thing that I've heard a little bit is that, um, you know, FEMA came in and things like that. Did you see or receive any help from FEMA or the government or anything? They said or? the homeless could have, but I didn't because I didn't know none of them. I heard FEMA was down here, but when I heard about it, it was too late to try to kind of apply for anything. But, I mean, I'm, I'm homeless. I mean, no, 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 none did get messed up. So I didn't worry about trying to get nothing from FEMA. So it was, uh, yeah. I wasn't in my house and yeah. I didn't worry about trying to but they said we could have applied anyway, but I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Another thing I've heard is that it's more more than the government, more than FEMA, more than anything else, the best people you could rely on to help was locals helping locals. Did you kind of see that as a uh, you mean like people helping people? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it was like people helping people. I mean, you know, I mean, Red Cross was down here too, and Salvation Army was down here. And I guess they was kind of helping people, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And what I mean by people helping people, I mean they was trying to get people like kind of like evacuating off the streets, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. Well, that's interesting. I, I haven't heard of uh, people going to the Sheraton, so that's that's kind of an interesting. Story. Yeah, I was I was trying to go somewhere. Yeah, oh, yeah. you know, I was trying to get out. Better the than storm. out here. I was right in the storm, but I was trying to get out the storm, yeah. and I figured the Sheraton would let you know, you know, my thoughts. So and uh, 
still at me. Yeah. And it, you said you were in there for about roughly day, day and mm -hmm. a half, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, while the storm was gone. <clears throat> well, that's, that's, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. There were a few interesting bits about Erlene's story that stuck out to me. First of all, I think it was good intuition on her part to head over to the Sheraton Hotel. It's a large building on Canal Street that is sturdy, would provide cover, and a dry place to sit or lay down. Luckily, the Sheraton employees let her and some other homeless folks inside. I did want to point out, when I asked if they put them in rooms, I thought Arlene's response was interesting. She was very quick to chuckle a bit and say, oh, no, 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 as if that was never even a remote possibility. Now, from the hotel's point of view, I can understand that. But it's interesting to see that play out. What would really test the hotel is if there were a bigger crowd of homeless coming to the door. Would they use spare rooms for one night, or would they turn people away? Adding to that chaos was the fact that there had been a decent amount of people from out of town staying at the Sheraton, mixing the homeless locals staying in the lobby with the panic coming from tourists and visitors. I'm sure the environment was a little wild, to say the least. As me and Erlene sat on the bench under the train track station, she mentioned how these glass doors were breaking out. She gestured over to the glass panels that formed the walls of the train stops. And those panels are thick, so seeing and hearing that those broke and were shattered in the hurricane again preaches to the sheer power of the storm. What's more is when Erlene tells about how she was pushed to the ground at one point while walking down the street toward the Sheraton. The wind was completely abrasive. When I asked Erlene about the help that came in, she mentioned Red Cross and FEMA, but also told how she was unable to obtain any services from them. She testifies to a huge issue I saw threaded throughout many of the conversations with the homeless. It's so hard to inform these people on where to go, what time, and what to bring in order to obtain services especially to a homeless population that has little, if any, ability to receive digital information. Many people I spoke with tell of how they heard about services being offered, but were too late to c cash in on them. They were always services that had been offered, hours or days prior, rarely ever services that will be offered. This makes it extremely difficult for these groups of people to get any help they so desperately need. A big thanks to Erlene for taking the time to chat with me. Once we finished talking, she reiterated to me that she was having a bad day, but that she was going to make it better, and she smiled at me. Here's to hoping her day got a bit better. Thanks, Erlene. My search for homeless people who would be willing to sit down and chat for a few minutes wasn't always as easy as finding someone alone on a bench as it was with Chris and Michael and Erlene. There were certain aspects of homeless living that I had to keep close in mind. I didn't want to find myself in the middle of a large group, all wanting care packages, vying, convincing, and arguing over why they may or may not deserve one. I only had eight packages, and while I would love to have been able to give one to every homeless person I came across, I wasn't financially in a position where I could do that. Additionally, while many homeless people are extremely kind, open, and more caring than you might think, there are some who have nefarious tendencies, some who are potentially a little more dangerous than others. So there had to be a balance struck. 
I care about these people and their circumstance, but having my backpack and camera and recorder, I didn't look local. I looked like a naive tourist. So I adopted a trust but verify stance throughout my search. No big groups, no dark alleys, and I made sure not to turn my back, where I had my camera and other things in my backpack, to anyone sitting in the same area. To be completely fair, these are rules that, for the most part, I have adopted in one way or another for most public circumstances. As I walked along the riverside of the French Quarter levee, I found a man named Lowe. He approached me, rather than the other way around, and started asking me about my shoes. At first I was confused. He said that if he could guess which state my shoes came from, then he'd give me a sneaker shine. I told him that I didn't even know which state they came from originally, since they were three or four years old. We both laughed, and he kept asking. He asked me if I was a man of my word, to which I of course said yes, not knowing what his game plan was. It didn't, ta- it didn't make any sense why he had to guess the right state in order to have the chance to shine my shoes. But I figured I'd play along, and maybe afterwards we could talk a bit about the hurricane. So I said, yeah, I'm a man of my word. He laughed and said, see, I told you I was going to guess where your shoe's at. Brother, they're on your feet. We both started laughing pretty good, and he leaned down, squirted some cleaner on the sides of my sneakers, and wiped them with a rag. In all, it took him about 20 to 30 seconds. I was trying to figure out how asking which state my shoes came from turned into guessing where my shoes were at. Still haven't figured that one out. Afterwards, Lowe stood up and said, All right, man, that'll be 20. And I won't lie, I actually started laughing. But he wasn't anymore. He wanted 20 bucks. I wasn't about to pay $20 for a 20-second shining of the centimeter white stripe that runs around my sneaker. What's more, I didn't even have a $20 bill on me, so I told him, I don't have that, man, sorry. He looked a little disgusted, as if I wasn't living up to my word. He said, man, I'm just out here trying to make a living. To which I responded, yeah, me too. The game was up, but I still wanted to see if he would chat about the hurricane. So I told him what I was doing, and that I had a little care package with five bucks in it and I'd, that I'd give him. He looked at me with a tilted head and said, Five bucks? You gotta be kidding me, man. I shrugged and said, That's what I got, take it or leave it, if you'll talk with me for just a minute. Reluctantly, he agreed. I'll be honest, I wasn't so sure I was going to get anything good from him, but it was too late now. As we started talking, he lightened up, though, and was laughing and smiling again, and at the end, we both expressed our gratitude to each other. I tell this story for two reasons. Firstly, because I thought it was pretty funny. But secondly, because it shows how varied the people are within the homeless community. I'm not trying to vilify Lowe by any means, instead showing that the ways they make money, their attitudes, and their motives are very different from one another. Lowe actually had a house during the storm, which may, in some ways, pull him out of the whole homeless community. But he still has an interesting story to share, having fallen on really tough times. This is Lowe's story. Um, I know you probably didn't expect <laughs> to be talking about this, but I'm, I'm out here doing uh, uh, interviews with people just who kind of weathered Hurricane Ida and, and stuff like that. I know we get a lot of people talking about it on TV about what's going on, but I don't think we get 
to hear much from people who actually lived through it. So I just kind of wondering, were you were you able to evacuate at all during No, during the I, just, I just stood here. Stood, stood, stayed out here? Yeah, I just went nowhere. I just stood in my house. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't leave at all. Okay. I just went through it. Yeah. Did you guys experience any flooding or anything like that? No, not really, no. No. Not, uh, Did, uh, so you, you said you have a house then? Yes, sir. Did, um... How did were, were was it just you there or did you have just me by myself? Just by yourself. Yeah. Was it? Did you experience any property damage or anything? Yeah, like a that? lot of it. Major damage. Yeah. yeah. Was was it like you know windows breaking stuff like no, that? No, nothing like, like like the roof come off. The roof. Shade fell on in the back. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Jeez. That's all happened. Yeah. Demolished my house. Yeah. Yep. Lost everything. Yeah. That's why I'm waiting on FEMA right now. Yeah. Yeah, so I could be relocated. Okay, yeah. relocated. Do you have yeah. a goal of where you want to head from here? Or? Not really. Just anywhere? Just anywhere. Anywhere but here? But here. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sick, I'm tired of here. Yeah. yeah. What, what makes you be, uh, what makes you tired of this place? Nothing bad, but I'm just tired of being in the wall. I've been here all my life. Yeah. Never experienced nothing else. Try, so it's time for me to move around. Yeah. Experience something else. else. Yeah, something different. That's, that's yeah. understandable. That's all. How uh, how far away from here is your house? Is it is it just around right just, here in yeah, New Orleans? Like a like a mile. Okay. One mile away. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I I, I can only imagine. Was it? Uh, I was talking to one person. They were saying that it was just they could hear the howling wind. Yeah, all wind roaring, blowing, right? and yeah. just I mean, thought Whistling. they thought they were gonna die. Yeah. It was, it was I just stood insane. in until it was over. With. Yeah. I can only imagine. Cause um, I don't been through Katrina. That's why I really. Didn't. Yeah, you you didn't you weren't around during Katrina you didn't yeah I was just saying we oh you but were. I left and oh, ended up okay. in Salt Lake City Utah okay yeah stood up there like two years yeah that's I where I'm from it. actually See, I was on Camp <laughs> William yeah so you know I know about that yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah Salt William. Lake's a great place yeah um, oh I loved it there yeah loved not it. as humid it's definitely mm-hmm. you know, I, I I like it there yeah as well. I loved it there. yeah I really didn't want to leave yeah. Girl got homesick, so we came back. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, the hurricane's coming in. Um, it's is, is it was it? I imagine it was pretty dark. You know, the power went out. Yeah. How long did it take for you guys to get power back? Ooh, about ten days. Ten days. For ten you days guys. in the dark. Ten days. Jeez. Yeah. Was there? Was there? You know, was there a fear of more? You know, uh, one person I was talking to is saying, you know, there's a little bit of extra crime going on. Yeah, think, a lot of crime. And stuff yeah, like that. Was, was, yeah. That, a lot uh, of breaking in, all yeah. that type of stuff. Yeah. Was that a big concern where you were at as well? Yeah. yeah. But I was alright. Yeah. I okay. really slept. I ain't sleeping in the house. I really slept outside. Yeah. Just some fresh air. Yeah. yeah. Still in the house. Yeah. yeah. I really slept outside. Did it get Did it get pretty cold during no, the hurricane, not. or is it pretty no. temperate? Hot. 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 Jeez. And, and you said that uh, your roof got blown. Yeah. Big old hole in the roof. Yeah. So every, I imagine the inside was Rain. lots of water damage. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Jeez. That's insane. It's interesting to note Lowe's experience previously during Hurricane Katrina. He said that during that circumstance, he was relocated to Salt Lake City, Utah. Looking back, I wish I would have asked him more about that. Was he relocated there or did he choose to go there? Was it FEMA who sent him or not? It was nice to connect briefly with someone from my home state, though, so I appreciated that. Lowe has a house, 
and he talked about how his roof blew off. It's hard to imagine what this might have looked like. I'm not sure if the whole thing came off or if only sections broke away revealing holes. My guess would be the latter. But either way, it caused a lot of water damage in Lowe's house. Enough issues to prompt him to be waiting on FEMA to be relocated again. Again, I'm not sure how all that relocation works. But it's definitely something I would like to follow up on in the future. As Lowe put it, he wants to go just about anywhere, anywhere but here. Having grown up and lived in New Orleans for his whole life, he wants to get out and see something different. Judging by his enjoyment of places like Salt Lake City, an area vastly different from New Orleans, I wish him luck on finding a new place he can call home. A big thanks to Lowe for the quick shoe shine and for talking with me about his experience. Another person I found sitting on a park bench near the area I stumbled upon Michael was Adam. In fact, after I had spoken with Michael, he pointed over toward Adam and said, you could probably go talk to my, with my friend over there. He'd probably speak with you. As it happens, Adam was the one who gave the disgustingly warm beer to Michael. You know what they say, locals helping locals. Adam was extremely friendly and never hesitated when I asked him if he wanted to chat for a minute about the hurricane. Although there are parts of his speech that are difficult to parse out, he provided a different view and circumstance than anyone else as well, as he tells about finding himself at a homeless shelter during the hurricane. Adam was pretty hilarious as our conversation continued off the record both before and after our discussion on Hurricane Ida. When I initially asked Adam if he had a few minutes to chat, his response was, I ain't doing anything else. When we finished talking and I was walking away, he shouted back to me, saying, Now I gotta go back to my goof-off patrol, which gave me a good laugh. He was a pleasure to speak with. This is Adam's story. I wasn't here for Katrina. Yeah. Uh, I was in Bogalusa for Katrina. Okay. And I'm glad I wasn't because I can't swim. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and that was a disaster for sure. Oh, man. It was awful down here, bro. Yeah. You know, uh, I was in, I was at the shelter for, for Ida, you know. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Took the lights out, you know, in yeah, the shelter. So that was going to be, one, you know, my first real question, I guess, was, was so, you know, you weren't, you didn't evacuate away from this area. Oh, no, you you no, made it no. to a shelter and mm -hmm. was able to, you were right. able to get yep. cover over your head that way. Yep. Was there any flooding or anything in that area? How no. many How many people were in the shelter with you there? Oh, it, it holds about like 60 people. 60 people? Okay. Mm -hmm. By, uh, top and bottom. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was, uh, was it, so it wasn't, it wasn't too crowded or was it people on mm -hmm. top of each other? No. Mm -hmm. Got bunk beds. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Bunk beds. Yeah. What was what was it like in there? And how did you how did you know to to head there? Were you already there, or did you just know? Oh yeah, it? I, I already uh, headed that way. Yeah. I knew it was gonna happen, you know. Yeah, you, so, you knew that the yeah. storm was coming, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm homeless. Yeah. 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 That uh, have you seen uh, have you seen any help coming in from FEMA or anyone else to? Or have you received any I signed, help? From I signed I signed up for FEMA, uh -huh. but I heard nothing from them yet. Nothing from them. You haven't seen any, you know, meals, MREs, things like oh, that? Oh, yeah. I have. If you, if you go hungry in this city, you need to be hungry. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. Yeah. They feed you every day, man. Yeah. Every single day. 
at the shelter or just uh... under the bridge period oh, okay mm -hmm. is that yeah. so that's over under the the highway bridge that they do uh, that? i can yeah okay mm -hmm. i think i saw some people over there under the yeah smoke them. yeah you don't smoke them. oh i don't have it no i don't have this so sorry um so so you you made it to the shelter um, do they, is there a certain amount of time that they allow you to stay there and do they kick you yeah, out they, after a while? Or? Uh, they let us stay until it was over with, you know. Oh, okay, and, uh, okay. Then uh, the weather got good, then, uh, you know, got kicked out. Yeah. yeah. Do you know of uh, any of your friends or anything that, that, that weren't able to make it to the shelter that were out? Mm -hmm. I ain't got no family. Okay. I'm the last one. Yeah. What about, what about any other friends out here that you've... Oh, some some of them guys that I know, you know. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah. They were, were they stuck out here at all, or did they make I, it to I don't know. Too? Some of them, some of them want to stay out there. Yeah. You know, in the tents, you know. Yeah. They want to stay out there. Yeah, that that's uh, kind of leads me to another question. Actually, is is that one thing? You know, I think looking at how often hurricanes come through here and how many storms ha happen around here, mm -hmm. it's easy for people to look at it and say. You know, why, why do people stick around there? Why do they stay mm -hmm. there? Why don't they go somewhere else? And so, what, what, would, what would you say to that? They're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the deal. Yeah. yeah. If, if they don't get out of there, there's something, something wrong with them. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, one thing I've heard from some people, you know, in response to that is kind of, you know, this is home. This is home, you know. I'm not gonna, I'm not yeah. gonna abandon it. I'm gonna stick yeah. around. Yeah, I was born and raised in this city, yeah. 65 years. Wow. Just me and my birthday Friday gone. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another thing I've heard is that some of the biggest help that people have gotten was locals helping locals, right? Is that would you yeah. say that that's right? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Everybody helping each other. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, I definitely get that vibe from the city as people are pretty tight in. Yeah. I'm grateful that Adam was able to make it to a shelter before and during the hurricane. When I pictured the shelter initially, I saw it as an overcrowded bunk room with tons of people, tons of stuff, and lots of shouting, movement, and chaos. As Adam tells, it wasn't like that at all. It wasn't very crowded, and much to my surprise, he stated that there were only about 60 people there. During our conversation, Adam mentions an area in the city where people go to be fed under a bridge. As I drove around New Orleans, I remember seeing this place. I didn't go into the crowds, but I saw hordes of people grouped under the highway bridge, with tables, food trucks, and other booths all giving out what must have been servings of food. None of the trucks looked like FEMA vehicles or had any other official markings. They looked like local food trucks. Again, it really did appear like locals helping locals. This was what I believed Adam was pointing out when he said, if you go hungry in this city, you need to be homeless. There's always extra food, according to Adam. Another interesting point that Adam makes is when he's talking about how some people want to stay out in the hurricane weather. I think his point here is alluding back to the idea that many of these people were born and raised here. They live here. The city is their home. Just as we started off this episode, it would seem the spray paint I saw on that steel beam really rings true. You can't drown a fish. Many of these people love their home. It's a part of them. As Chris said earlier, 
It's Nola, man. Halfway through my interviews, I was wandering around the French Quarter, looking for more people, but also taking a small break to gather my thoughts. I'd just heard from a handful of individuals that all had crazy circumstances outside the hurricane and even wilder ones within. It was hard for me to imagine living life the way these folks do. I was filled with gratitude, thankful for my own circumstances, my own upbringing, the things I had access to, but also thankful for the willingness, candor, and kindness of these homeless people, people that go forgotten more times than not. People that could so easily be angry with the world, filled with hate and vitriol, but instead were just stuck in their own cycles of survival and existence. I wandered my way into Jackson Square, a centerpiece of the French Quarter along the Mississippi River. Across the square was a massive, beautiful temple structure. As I walked near, I saw that it was the St. Louis Cathedral, its great oak doors were swung open, beckoning any who were interested to enter. I decided to go inside, where I found it refreshingly cool, calm, and serene. There were beautiful paintings on the walls and ceilings, vibrant stained glass windows, and intricate sculptures of Jesus, Mary, and a host of other religious figures. Adding to the ambience was a deep, even majestic Gregorian chant. I slowly walked up the center aisle, past rows of empty benches, picked one, and sat down. I was filled with peace and calmness. I glanced around the room, appreciating the art and beauty that surrounded me. To my right, sitting on the bench, was a book, a Catholic Missal. I'm not Catholic, so I wasn't aware of what this book entailed. I flipped open the pages and started thumbing my way through it. There were prayers, scriptures, stories, and songs. One major section of the Missal had a plot for every day of the year. In each plot, there would be detailed an entrance, as they called it, or a small story point guiding the next day's lesson and worship. Next, there would be a responsorial, which is the section the congregation would recite together. Then there is a communion statement, which I believe is a type of sacrament or Eucharist, as they also call it. This was the 2021 Missal, and since it had every single day of the year in it, I wanted to see what that day's lesson and guidance were. I flipped to Monday, October 4th. The entrance for that day read, Francis, the man of God, left his home behind, abandoned his inheritance, and became poor and penniless, but the Lord raised him up. The responsorial said, You will rescue my life from the pit, O Lord. Finally, the communion read, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It was beautiful to me. I don't think it matters what you believe. The fact that those words were prescribed for that specific day was beautiful. It was a reaffirmation to me that the people I was looking for, the people whose stories needed to be told, the people who were homeless, searching, lost, stuck, they have grace. They have beauty and life and humanity. They are real and genuine, and they deserve their human rights and dignity and care, too.
They aren't just druggies or lazy or spooky or squandered. They're people. They're human. They love. They lose. They win sometimes. They endure. They survive. I'm really, really grateful for that experience in the St. Louis Cathedral. And what's more, I'm really grateful for the people I got to talk with, whose stories I got to record and relay. This is the first in a two-part episode on how the homeless endured Hurricane Ida. Today we heard from Chris, Michael, Erlene, Lowe, and Adam. In the next episode, we'll hear more tales from Elton, Eric, Stephanie, and Lang, each one with their own story. Thank you for sticking around, hearing me out, and most importantly, hearing them out. If you had a favorite interview or thoughts about the homeless during Hurricane Ida, you can share that with me either in the comments section on Substack or over on Twitter. My handle is at Ashleman. That's at C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N. These individuals have such interesting personalities, stories, and nuances. It was so fascinating to have the chance to sit down and hear from them. I'd love to know what your takeaways were and what you enjoyed or didn't about these discussions. Remember, the best way to support the show is by heading over to bedletter.substack.com and subscribing. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know. One share really does go a long way. The links to everything can be found in the description of this episode. I hope you have an awesome week. I'm Christian. This is Bed Letter, and I'll see you next time.